Welcome, you're listening to the Agile Unemployment Podcast, where in each episode, we take an in-depth look at being out of work. We'll talk about the programs and benefits available to you. We'll talk about the job hunting process itself. And most importantly, we're going to address the psychological and emotional impact that being out of work has on the individual. I'm your host, Sabina Sulat. I'm an HR expert and author. A few years ago, I lost my dream job and found myself unemployed for the first time in my life. I was frustrated by the lack of resources and information available to people out of work, but more than that, I was just stunned by the fact that we don't talk about unemployment. I took my experience and I turned it into a book and I now coach people to build resilience while they're out of work. If you are out of work, if you recently lost your job, or maybe you've been unemployed for a while, or maybe you're just afraid that you might lose your current job, this is the place to be. We're a safe place where we can talk about all aspects of being out of work. We can answer your questions and we can help you build resilience so that when you go back to work, you are stronger and more confident than ever. So let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Sabina. How are you doing? It is the beginning of February. We are firmly getting into 2024. Before I jump into today's podcast, let's take a quick look at the employment landscape as always. Really interesting reports coming out for January. January's been an exceptionally strong month, much better than even the experts predicted. There were January expectations to have job growth be under 200,000 new jobs in the U.S., and that expectation was shattered. In reality, it was over 300,000 new jobs in January. Really interesting statistic. Unemployment is expected to be pretty steady in 2024 at about 3.7%. And resignations over the past year have fallen 12 since the pandemic, not surprising. A lot of experts think this is because of a lack of confidence in the labor market. It could be all kinds of things. I personally think it's a little too early to tell. We're just into the new year. There's a lot of things going into it. It's hard to call things at this point that I wouldn't want to. And as I keep saying, it's good to know what's going on out there. It's good to know the statistics. It's good to know what the labor market looks like. The bottom line is, if you are feeling job insecure, if you don't have a job, none of that matters. What matters is you and what you want and what you need People get jobs in bad economies and good economies. They lose jobs in bad economies and good economies. The best thing you can do is to be prepared for your career, to understand what you want, what you need, and to make that your focus. And that's the purpose of this podcast. And that's where I want to get into today's topic. This is a topic I've wanted to do for a while I think it's because there are so many things to talk about. I lose track or something becomes more prominent because of the news, but I get this all the time. People ask me, 
what are the red flags in the job search in employment? And my response is, you know, if you have a couple of days, I can tell you. What I want to go through today is our red, yellow, and green flags in the job search. First of all, what do we mean by that? For those of you who don't know, the red flag is just that. It is that warning sign, that thing that crops up that either tells you point blank, this is not for you, there's something wrong in this situation, or it gives you pause. By yellow flag, what is one person's red flag is another person's yellow flag. We all have different wants and needs. You need to know what yours are before you start the job search. I say that all the time. It has to be mindful in order to be successful. My red flag might be that I don't want to commute for my job. I want a hybrid environment or I want a remote environment and somebody else's, that might be a yellow flag. They're open to talking about it. They're interested in it. There's more exploration that needs to be done or it's something they can live with. The green flag, we all have those. Those are the things that we must have in a job. Before looking for your red, yellow, and green flags, you need to identify what they are. I would say, sit down before the job search. What do you like about your current or prior roles? What are you looking for in the future? What are your needs? Money, family, position, authority, benefits. You need to know all of that before you start this process. So lay all of those out. And then when you're on the job search, be on the lookout for your red, yellow, and green. Let's take this and dismantle it and look at each of these categories in a little bit of depth because especially for the red flags, there are some very obvious signs, deal breakers, things you need to be on the lookout for your own future and your own security. A lot of the red flags you're going to see will come up in the actual, like, pre-recruiting process. What I mean by that is you will not even have spoken to someone in the organization. You will see red flags. Sometimes they're obvious. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're very personal. Sometimes they are things everyone should be on the lookout for. I want to hit on those first. A few things you'll notice right away from the job description. Do they understand the job? Is it a generic job description? Is it too detailed? If they're writing out every little thing that this job role should be doing, you're going into an organization that's very micromanagey. They might not understand the job or give you the autonomy that you need. They're drilling it down so much and they're probably going to be super picky about who they want. There won't be a lot of flexibility. It also shows a lack of experience from either the recruiting team, the HR team, the hiring manager, whoever wrote out that job description, or a lack of collaboration amongst all of those parties. To me, that's a red flag in the job search. That's an organization that doesn't work well within itself. You don't want to go into a situation like that. The other thing is how the organization itself shows up. Can you find them online? Have you heard of them? 
Can you find former or current employees when you search online? You do have to do your research. You don't want something that's a fly-by-night organization. There's a difference between that and a startup that's figuring it out. Do they have a web presence? Uh, do they only have an 800 number? Uh, all of those things are something you really need to look out for. When you research them, don't just look for a website. Look for anything in the news, any news articles, any mention of them on social media. There should be a presence. It doesn't have to be huge. There needs to be the start of it. It needs to look coordinated, branded even. All of those are signs of an organization that's got its act together and has a vision and a purpose and a mission. You want to be a part of that. You have to be a little bit, a little careful of that. In the job description itself, even if it understands the role and the duties, the skills needed, few other things. Are there typos? Is it consistent? This really reflects the professionalism of the organization or the person you're dealing with, be it a hiring manager or a recruiter. Also originality. You want something that's going to reflect the brand and mission of the organization in the job description. This is going to let you know how does that role tie into the big picture of the organization? How much support will you get? Uh, how do you help this organization reach their goals and their audience? Anything like that. A red flag to me is if a job description is very boilerplate, if the language is pretty one note, if it's robotic, you can tell when something is generated by artificial intelligence. It probably won't use proper tenses. It will probably misuse synonyms. Uh, it will not have that human element inside of the job description. You want something that reflects enthusiasm for the organization, for its employees. It talks about how the organization treats their employees and the benefits you might get. AI will not generate that. You want to be on the lookout. A red flag, again, it's something that will give you pause and you'll decide whether or not it's something you're able to handle, tolerate, live with. But these things should give you pause, have you reflect upon them, and then make the decision. So in the actual recruiting process, there are a lot of red flags to look out for. A few of them the really obvious ones that we sometimes write off to, I need a job, therefore I'm going to be okay with this, or a culture of busy. Those are sometimes red flags and you need to be aware of them. Things such as inability to schedule with a recruiter, either that's an overworked HR office or recruiter, or they're not caring enough about you. We are never so kind to job candidates and employees as when we are wooing them. That's the best behavior you are likely to see from an organization. I, I hate to say that, but they, they want you to interview. They want you to come in. You will show well for the recruiter. That's when they try the hardest. 
if that part of the process doesn't meet your expectations, meaning it's not polite, it's not flexible, it's not understanding of you, it's too difficult to coordinate, you have an unengaged recruiter who I'll call you back and they never do, they don't respond to your emails after you've had communication, huge red flags to me. It's probably not an organization you want to continue with. How a recruiter acts towards you is a reflection of how the rest of the organization is going to work. I hate to say that, but it's true. Another huge red flag is if you receive an inordinate amount of pressure. I've told the story of being called for what I thought was a dream job, and I had a recruiting office that told me, you either come in today to interview or you don't interview. I could not make that interview that day. I didn't interview with them. Looking back, that was a huge red flag. At the time, I needed a job. It felt awful. In retrospect, somebody was really looking out for me and it worked out for me. If I was getting that much pressure at that point in the recruiting phase, I can only imagine what it would have been like to have worked for this organization. It would have been constant demands and pressure and organization first, me last. That's not something I want in my life, nor should you. Another red flag in the recruiting process is a lack of consistent communication. Everybody gets busy, but you want to make sure that if a recruiter says, I'll call you back in 24 to 48 hours, they do that. Or if it's a little later, they at least recognize, I wish I could have gotten back to you. I'm so sorry. My child fell ill. I had to take a day off of work, something like that. If there are these huge gaps in a recruiter getting back to you, in a hiring manager getting back to you, I can tell you what's behind it. I've been in these roles. It's usually a hiring manager dragging their feet, a organization determining whether or not they still want to fund the position. That's a little shaky in today's environment. We need to put our attention and our resources behind hiring qualified candidates for jobs in a low unemployment period, the competition for qualified candidates is even stronger amongst organizations. They need to have it together to be reaching out to you. Otherwise, it's a really bad sign. Red flag all the way. Another red flag that I see, and this may be going back to the job description, not everybody has to publish their pay range. We're getting there, but not quite yet. It depends on your state and the organization. When you have that conversation with a recruiter, and it should happen pretty early on, at least a discussion of the range. If their range is way too low for your market and your role, or it's way too high, red flag. Either they haven't done their research, or it's a not well-funded position, they are trying to make sure they hire the lowest common denominator, which if they're asking for a high skill set and they're not willing to pay for it, that's a red flag. You need to know what your skill set is, the level it is, and what your range should be in your market area for your skills, for your experience, for your education. 
that's a whole other podcast. But you need to know that before you hit the job search, and if somebody is not meeting that or not getting it, you don't want to work for that company. They will not value you. The other extreme is if their salary level is way too high. Initially, we think, yay, I've arrived. I have found something where I am super, super valued. Not necessarily. Here's why. If their salary range is really high, they know that's what they need to do to attract somebody into the company. You could end up trapped. And what I mean by that is if you take a very high salary for the work that you do, and it is by high, not the range you should expect, but rather something that is extraordinarily out of that range, out of what you're seeing online when you do your research, you can get used to that. It's hard to leave that. You often get into a very demanding, sometimes toxic environment, but that's been your range and you're used to it and you won't be able to find it somewhere else. It needs to be reasonable within the industry, within the industry, within the market, and for your range. Absolutely know that so that you're not seduced by that extremely high salary. It is a red flag. It seems like a green flag. In the long run, it's a red flag. Let's talk about a hot topic with recruiters and organizations. Ghosting. Is ghosting a red flag? It's hard to say. Recruiters get overwhelmed by resumes. People get busy. To me, if you've ghosted me, yeah, I'm not going to fight it. I've moved on. I'm having people come back to me saying an organization that I had applied for a job four months ago, they're suddenly calling me. While not technically ghosting, to me, that seems like there's a lack of strategy, a lack of communication, or a lack of engagement from the organization. They're not coordinated. They don't really know what they want and need. I do think that's a red flag. I would not continue that process. Even if I really needed a job, I would go somewhere else. You don't want to work in an organization that doesn't have a strong vision, a strong coordination, and a strong commitment. If they're not committed to the role when they advertise it, I question whether they'd be committed to you as an employee once you start working for them. Another thing I would look for, and this is something you might see it in the job description when you talk to a recruiter, you get a better idea. But I mentioned if there are way too many job duties and it might be a micromanagement thing, it might also be that too much is given in one role. If you've had a specific role before, you know what it takes to do it. Even if you go from a smaller company to a larger company, the duty shouldn't change. The scale of what you do will change. If there are too many responsibilities in a job, it might be more than one person can reasonably handle. Not saying you can't handle the job, but there comes that tipping point where really this is a two-person job. And again, it's not about scale. It's about the duties every day or weekly or the expectation. If you see a job that has too much of that listed, that's a conversation to have with a recruiter. 
And if they can't explain it, if it's something that they say, no, this is what we expect for that role, really think about it. To me, that is a big red flag of either not understanding the job or expecting somebody to work way too hard for what they're given, not to be able to have that work-life balance. Be very careful about that. And finally, I think a big thing for me, once you've made contact with a recruiter or an organization, I have this rule that however I contact an organization, I expect that same type of contact in return. So if I've had an email inquiry, I expect an inquiry back in email. If we have had a, a phone screen, I might say, okay, fine, an email of we've decided to move forward with other candidates. I wouldn't expect a phone call for that. But if I've gone in and interviewed, I expect a phone call. I would not expect to be ghosted or for a complete lack of communication. How an organization follows up, and it should be proportional to how you've interacted with them, is key. And if it hasn't been what you expect, what you want, as long as your expectations are reasonable, red flag. You want to keep all of those things in mind as you are dealing with recruiting. But then when you get to the interview process, there's going to be a separate set of red flags because different person, different group you're working with. I think it, it bodes well to go through those. As you go through the interview process, let's say everything works out with the recruiter, the money lines up, the benefits line up, the mission lines up, the job description. Now you're meeting with the hiring manager, possibly interviewing with a panel team. Here's some red flags to look out for. How they treat you. If they're overly solicitous, if they are that heavy wooing, I wouldn't say it's quite a red flag, but I am definitely on alert. One thing to not tolerate, though, is to not be treated like an individual, to not be treated with respect. You will know as soon as it happens, I get it. You need a job, but that's how they're going to treat you when you work for the organization. Lack of respect for your timeline, what else you have going on in life. Lack of respect for the fact that you might be taking time off of work to interview with them. I can recall one instance where I was asked to come in for an interview and it was this most of the day panel interview. It went from about nine in the morning till about two in the afternoon. No one had given a thought to lunch for me. I sat in a conference room. There was an hour break where I sat alone in a conference room. Nothing to do. No one talking to me. It was very awkward that was a red flag. And no, I didn't recognize it at the time. Learn from my mistake. You want to make sure that someone tells you where to go, what to do. They've given you time to use a facility for a personal break. Someone offers you water, a coffee, tea, whatever it is you want. If it's an all-day thing, there's lunch. They pay for your parking. If you travel for an interview, they should pay for that first. They shouldn't reimburse you and they shouldn't expect you to pay for out of pocket. I'm not talking an hour commute, a plane ride or a train ride. 
something like that. If it's an overnight, they need to take care of those facilities for you. All of that matters. Other things, how they treat you, how they're prepared for you is a huge one. Has the hiring manager read your resume? Have they looked you up on social media? That's a big one. I have been in interviews where the manager clearly has not read my resume. Uh, it should have been assigned to me. Uh, and the person just said, oh, I've been really busy. Okay, I've had this interview on my calendar for two weeks. You couldn't find five minutes to look at my resume? Red flag. Uh, they should know who you are. They're investing this time in you. Their engagement with you when they talk to you. Do they make eye contact? Uh, do they ask you about yourself, your professional self? Are they looking out a window? Do they seem distracted? Is something going on? Red flags. Uh, you're going to be working with this person over 40 hours a week, chances are. When they bring you on board, are they going to be engaged with you or are they going to have a complete lack of engagement? Another thing is, do they understand the job? I get it. If the manager doesn't do that job or never did that job, they might not understand every nuance. That's your role. But they need to have a respect and an understanding for the demands of the job, the equipment needed, the education needed, the skills needed, and why. If they're unable to communicate that to you, red flag. And we will get into that in another podcast about how to handle an interview, about how to bring that up. But in general, if they don't get it, they're never going to get it. You don't want to work for this person. Here's another thing, their attitude. How do they feel about the company? Are they complaining? Do they seem negative? Do they seem overworked? Uh, unengaged about the company? Do they not know how the company works, what the company does, what their mission and vision is? Or are they overly into it? Are they trying to convince you or are they trying to convince themselves because they're down a man and they need somebody to fill the role and they think their job will get easier once you come into the picture? You want that nice, happy medium. You want someone who understands their company who believes in it, but is also open to change and improvement. You want someone you can work for and respect and who will collaborate with you. All really important signs. Here's another thing. I love to ask this question of, why did you call me into interview? What about my background, my resume appealed to you? That will tell you volumes about the person and the organization you are going to work for. If they can't answer that, red flag. That means they pulled you out of a hat. There wasn't a specific reason to pick you. You want to work for an organization for a specific reason, but it needs to be a two-way street. If you're interviewing me, there's something about me that fits this role. I need you to communicate that to me so I can do it. And if you can't pinpoint it, I can't do what you can't ask of me. Red flag. The other thing is, do they have an onboarding plan for you? I always ask this in an interview. What do you expect from this job from me in the 
30, 60, 90 days. And if they have no idea, red flag, because you will be left on your own, no matter how skilled you are, no matter what level, you will need someone to guide you through an organization to help you get grounded, to make sure that you can start being productive. Point blank ask, tell me the onboarding plan. And don't take answers like, oh, I thought we'd develop that together, or, oh, there's something standard we have. No. You need something for you for this role, and it shouldn't be your job to figure it out. Your job is your job. It's not a matter of liking the hiring manager. It is a matter of respecting them and them respecting you. You should be able to work with someone who you wouldn't necessarily have as a friend per se or bond with. It has to do with having a respect for the work, the organization, and each other. Other things might grow from that, but if you don't have that to start, you're not going to have that in the future. That's something to definitely look for when you are in that interview process. And these red flags do not just speak of the hiring manager, but really anybody on the team you interview with. A lot of these things should also be in the back of your mind to look at. Are these people you can work with, collaborate with? Will they respect you? Do you respect them? Does everybody understand everyone's job? Can they communicate it? Does everyone have the same feeling for the organization and its mission? Do they know the skills that are needed? Do they have respect for that? Are they open to those discussions? All things that if you get the red flag in the interview process, they're things to talk out. And if that red flag persists, you might want to say, no, this isn't the right fit for me. This isn't the job for me. We have looked at red flags in the recruiting process and for the hiring manager. So let's turn this discussion back to you because just like you have the red, yellow, and green flags, recruiters and hiring managers have them as well. Some things might seem small and innocuous to you. To a recruiter or a hiring manager, it could be a huge red flag. I'd hate for anyone to miss out on a great job opportunity because of something silly and not well thought out. Really tiny things that can be huge red flags because you know you, you know your skill set, your employment history. They don't know you. They only know this tiny little bit of you. And if there is a hiccup during that, it is a huge red flag to them because that's all they know of you. You have to be a little more cautious as the candidate. Some immediate red flags. Lack of response on your part. I want to know when I'm reaching out to somebody as a candidate, they're worth my time. If I reach out to you, I want a quick response. It doesn't have to be immediate. Maybe within 24 hours, maybe a little longer if it's over a weekend or later in the day, but a pretty immediate response. If I reach out and I'd like to have a, a phone screen with you, here are some times. Your flexibility. I can be flexible to you as a recruiter, but I, I need you to meet me halfway. If there is a definite 
no call time. Like I can't talk on Wednesdays. That's my day of X and I'm unreachable. Great. You need to clearly communicate your parameters to a recruiter, to a hiring manager. You should have that thought out as you're starting the job search. You need to appear engaged. And that's at all levels. And what that means is, I would hope, and I keep saying this to all of you, only apply to jobs you really want. That means you've researched the company, the role. It meets your ask. So when I talk to you as a recruiter or a hiring manager about a job, you understand the organization. You understand the job. Early in my career, I'd applied to a job and it was very clear in my phone screen. I had not read the job description. I had the title wrong. I had the organization wrong. I was young, unprepared, really didn't know what I was doing. It showed. Luckily for me, the recruiter was very kind. And he said, I don't think you've really thought this through. I like your resume, but I don't think this is a good fit. And I had to graciously agree with him. I was a huge red flag to him. On paper, it was great. Talking to me, not so much. He was right to do what he did. I learned from that. Make sure that you are engaged. You're not distracted when you talk to a recruiter or a hiring manager. You've done your research and your homework. Your ask meets that job description you applied for. You understand what you're asking for, what you're worth, what you're looking for, and that this is it. Don't waste anyone's time, especially yours. Okay, some other red flags. Lack of preparation. Just what I said. If you haven't done that research, if you don't understand the organization, that will immediately be a red flag. Here's another thing, and I I get as a recruiter, you have probably slightly exaggerated your abilities and that kindly. It's your perspective, and you might feel you had more of a role in a project than you had, or that you were a little more crucial to the team than you are. I think that's normal and natural, and I really don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's your perspective. Out and out lying, that's another thing. And I've seen it all. People who have claimed to have worked somewhere where they didn't. They claimed they were a manager or a leader when they weren't. Taken way more credit for something or out and out lied about a skill or an ability. Be honest. <laughs> be truthful. Apply to things where you hit about 80% of the qualifications and if you are missing something that's required for a job, make sure it's not something integral to the job if it requires a specific certification. But if perhaps it asks for, oh, you have to know a certain uh, computer platform, and maybe you don't, when you apply, put that in your cover letter. I might not know how to use Workday. However, I've used multiple HR websites, platforms, and I'm convinced I can upskill very quickly, I think the other skills I bring to the table more than offset that requirement. And that way, if a recruiter calls you, that was their choice. They That's not a deal breaker to them. Understand that. Other things. Your references. <sighs> Please have good references. 
Please have all the information. Do not lie about your references. They will be checked. Do not get your friend to be your reference unless the two of you worked together and they accept that as a reference, meaning like a former colleague, not if they want to hear from the HR office of your prior workplace. You will get caught. It will come up. If it doesn't, one day down the roads, it could be cause for dismissal. A lot of organizations employ search firms. Their bread and butter is making sure your references line up. Make sure that they do. Do not make your references a work of fiction. Another thing for me uh, as a recruiter, as a hiring manager, is I wanted someone who really wants and needs the job. I understand the passive job search or the, I'll call it job shopping, or going through the interview for the experience. And I tell people all the time, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if you really are looking for the job, if you really need the job, I expect you to show that. And I get that some of us are more outgoing and enthusiastic than others. Some of us are introverts. If you don't communicate it in the actual interview verbally, the follow-up thank you email, I'm big on the thank you email, list the reasons why you're a good fit, why you want to work there. That enthusiasm, that understanding of the job and want and need of the job are crucial to hiring managers. I need to know that of all the candidates I'm talking to, you really want to work here. You want to work with me and the team and in this role. You need to articulate that. Again, hiring managers, recruiters see this tiny little window of you. You have to make sure that every second of that counts and it shows your abilities and enthusiasm for the job. I've talked about your expectations for the job. They have to be reasonable. This is why I ask you, write out everything that you want and need, but also do that research. Do not think you're going to get a million dollars for working fast food. I worked in the hospitality industry for years. We didn't have locks on our hotel because we never closed. <laughs> I understood that meant I would have to work holidays, weekends, off hours, and I did it gladly. It worked with my lifestyle at the time. I was a student. I needed the flexibility. Make sure you've done your research. You are not asking for an outrageous salary or benefits. Make sure it's not only in alignment with the market, but the organization you're interviewing for. I had somebody who had a very high salary expectation. He should have. He worked in the tech industry. He lived in Silicon Valley, but he was interviewing with a startup and their salary was low. He negotiated for a higher salary. It wasn't quite as high as he wanted. The organization offered him other things in that negotiation, but he had a reasonable expectation, not just for the area and the role, but the type of company he was interviewing for. He liked the idea of the excitement of a startup. That also means sometimes doing things on a shoestring. He was willing to compromise because he liked the job. He liked the company. Make sure that you have those reasonable expectations. Finally, I say this all the time, and I've talked about it on prior podcasts, how you present yourself, how you treat and interact with others is crucial to your success in the job search. 
I can't say enough about courtesy. Uh, are you treating everyone well? Are you saying hello? Are you making eye contact? Are you saying thank you? Are you saying please? Are you making benign small talk? Even if you're a little on the shyer side, you want to make sure that you treat everybody as a peer. You treat everybody well. It's not the rule of how you want to be treated. It's how other people want to be treated. They want to be treated with respect and courtesy. It's things like showing up on time, being present and engaged, having done your research, treating other people like human beings. Because I told you how an organization treats you in the recruiting and hiring process is how they'll treat you or probably the best they'll treat you the entire time you're there. They're thinking the same thing about you. This person needs something from us. Therefore, we're seeing them at their best right now. If at your best is being rude and late, taking people for granted, they're not going to want to work with you. Why would they? Make sure that you bring your A game. You bring the, your best possible self to an interview and that you keep being your best possible self during your job tenure. Phew, that's a lot. Red flags for recruiting, hiring managers, and most importantly, for you. Let's talk about yellow flags. Yellow flags are interesting. I don't know a lot of people who even refer to them. I said it earlier, a red flag for one person might be a yellow flag for somebody else. Maybe it's a very fast-paced work environment and organization, and the expectation is working on weekends or evenings, anything like that. That might not speak to me, but it might be okay by you. So you have these things that these are areas I'm willing to compromise on. That's how I think of yellow flags. Are these things that, oh, maybe I wanted a hybrid environment, but this is fully remote, but I really like the job of the people and they have offsites and you come in once a month instead of once a week. I can live with that. You decide those red flags. You also decide whether or not something is a deal breaker and a reason to decline the job. I mentioned a few red flags in the recruiting and the interview process. I think those red flags become yellow when you step back and you look at things. I had an interview once where the hiring manager had not looked at my resume and he admitted it to me in the interview. And I very nicely and politely said, if this isn't the right time for us to be talking, maybe we should talk about setting up another time. And he point blank said, this is just one more thing I have to do today. I got quiet. He got quiet. Very nicely, he looked at me and he said, I apologize. He had a family situation going on. He didn't give me detail. He said, you're right. I should have postponed this. I thought I was doing the right thing. I clearly can't be present for you. We decided he would take a few minutes, look at my resume, and we continue with the interview. I ended up getting the job. I took it. It wasn't a red flag. It was just a bad time for him. I later found out there'd been a death in the family. He had just found out about it. He wanted to soldier through. I appreciated that might not have been the call to make, 
But there's this thing of giving grace. Everyone has a bad day. Everyone makes a typo. Everyone is unable to follow up as quickly as they'd like. With all the red flags, I think you need to step back and say, are some of these one-offs? Are some of these temporary situations? Go through and determine if they are. Do your research. And if it turns out that, yeah, this is just something that happened, it's good that I've noted it, but it's okay to move forward. It's not the deal breaker. It's not the huge red flag I thought it was. This boss I told you about, I loved working with him. He was great. Uh, great guy, good boss. I was very happy there. I appreciated that he had that moment of humanity. He apologized. We moved past it. That's how I would want someone to work with me. And it worked out great. I'm glad I didn't look at it as a complete red flag and that I had that moment of grace. I would encourage you to do that. You might be missing out on a key opportunity. I would want someone interviewing me to do the same. I hired somebody for a role and they were 20 minutes late for the interview. They had called to tell me there was a delay in their train. Somebody came into the office where all of us were waiting for the panel interview and they said, oh, the candidate called. He's apologetic. He also stated he would understand if you want to reschedule. We took a moment of grace. We decided to wait. He came in. He was a phenomenal interview. I hired him, probably one of the best hires I ever made in my career. He got wooed away by another organization after I had left, and he's doing great. It was a great call. Again, that yellow flag, that moment of grace really served well. I just want to mention that a red flag, not necessarily immediately a red flag. You're going to have to look at it. It could turn yellow. Yellow turns green. Let's talk about green flags. Green flags are great. These are all systems go. These are the things that you see in a job interview in the process that like, yes, I want to work here. They are things that an organization sees in you. We don't usually think about them. So the only note I really want to make is if it's all green flags all the way, something's wrong. I know that sounds funny. I've been there with the, oh, pinch me. I must be dreaming. This is perfect for me. There's got to be something missing. Nothing is perfect in this world. I talked about that super high salary. Seems like a great green flag until you start to look at it. Why are you offering 40% more than the rest of the organizations in this area for this role? Red flag. Looks green. It really is red. There needs to be a bit of a challenge. There needs to be a couple of things that might give you pause uh, because if it seems like it's custom written for you, it's not a good job description. It needs to have that wide net. Uh, these need to be areas of conversation that you should have with a hiring manager, with recruiting, to make sure that you are going to a situation that really does fit you. It has to fit both your long and your short term. That's why if it's all green flags, it doesn't give you room for growth. You need that. You'll need that as a candidate, as that employee, 
just keep at the organization to keep your tenure, to stay there, for them to retain you. I hope that it's mainly green flags, and it should be. I think it should be about an 80 to 90% of green flags. And then I think there are those other parts that we talk about, the yellow flags, the possibly red flags. That's conversation for interview and recruiting. When the day is done, you need to listen to that inner voice of yours. And I don't think we do it enough, especially when we're out of work. Any job that I've looked back on that was really unpleasant, if not toxic, I go back to the interview, to my onboarding, and the red flags are huge, they're bright, they are as visible as anything. I ignored them. We think when we're in the job process, especially needing a job, that We have to sacrifice and compromise. Don't do that. Look at those red flags. See if they're yellow. Talk them out. Understand if something bothers you in the job search process, in the interview process, in the recruiting process. Think about it. Is this something you can live with? Or is this telling you danger? Do not proceed. Listen to that inner voice. You will be happy that you did. You will regret not at least examining it and being able to work through with it with your hiring manager, with your recruiter. Is the salary too low? Is the commute too long? Do you need to remote work a couple of days a week? All of those things you need to take into account. You deserve a great future but you are responsible to create that for yourself. This is just one of those tools I want to give you that helps you figure that out. I will leave you with that. Look out for those flags. Keep track of them. Step back, examine them, give some grace, and then determine what are your needs? What are your deal breakers? As long as you're coming from this place of proper education, research, and expectation, You will know these flags when you see them. You will know the decisions to make for you. Be mindful, realistic. You owe this to yourself. With everything else, I wish you luck. I know that you're going to get the job that you want and deserve. I know your future is bright. Thanks for listening. And there you have it for today. I hope you learned something or heard something today that is helping you as you are in your out-of-work journey and that will help you normalize the conversation about being out of work. If you heard something that resonated with you, please show us support, subscribe, like, or comment on something. If you'd like to learn more information, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Sabina Sula. I'm the only one. You can also reach out to me on my website, reworkingworks.com. You can also email me at s-s-u-l-a-t at reworking.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to know about private coaching, more about the book, more about the podcast, I wish you luck in your getting back to work journey. 
I hope that you've learned something here that if it hasn't made that journey a little shorter, it's at least made it a little easier. Until next time, thanks for joining.